Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I'm here today with Bing Oliver. Hey there, Bing. How's it going? Hey, it's great. It's so good to talk with you. Yes, you too. And uh, I know we were just talking a little bit about where you know I am and where you're from. I right. didn't know first if you want to give the listeners a little bit of insight as to you know kind of a little bit of your career path and what you're doing these days in terms of uh, you know your business. Yeah, sure. Um, so the, the, as short as I can make it is. Um, Started taking the trash out at a uh, Chick-fil-A restaurant at 15 years old and breading chicken. And then uh, it was a a friend of my dad's and my dad got a restaurant. And then I went to school on a scholarship with them. And then I actually went off and taught school for five years. I'm an art major and I was in um, uh, punk rock bands. I love music. And so I went away from the kind of conservative culture of, uh, but I ended up kind of coming back. And then um, I, I got, I went back to work for my dad and then I went into a corporate gig with Chick-fil-A where I was sort of labeled as the black sheep in a good way. Most Mm -hmm. of the time it was, it helped to sort of, uh, I was known as the very, very creative, different one. And then I leveraged that into getting my own franchise where I moved to the mountains of, of, uh, of North Carolina and, um, when my, when my kids became teenagers, I wanted to get off the road. And then I did that for a decade. And, but I'm, I'm really pretty high on the entrepreneurial scale. I really like to create, um, whether it's creating art or music or businesses or business ideas. Like I just always love to create. And when you work for a franchise, you're kind of limited with that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of my clients, that's where they love to sit. And they're about a six or a seven on a scale of one to 10 on the entrepreneurial scale. And I'm a nine and out of 10. And so I just really have to feed that. And so I left, I left, uh, I left that world and the security of that to launch off, uh, onto this entrepreneurial venture. And it's just been fun. I, I, and I have to tell you, I was going to tell you before we got on here, like, I just love the title. It, it, Hmm. it was, it was a little bit coming onto the show and thinking about that title and thinking my mindset was a little bit like, maybe what it would be like to jump out of an airplane with a parachute on or get on a roller coaster. Like (laughs) it's scary and fun at the same time. Cause we don't, I don't think really, I know I like to suppress my failures. Yeah. A lot of people, (laughs) a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, I'm just excited, but that, yeah, that's it. So I, now I, I, I own peak coaching and consulting, um, which is based on really simple concept of mountain climbing uh, in your life. So what is, I I love to ask people, what is your next peak and, and to watch people's faces light up. And I've never met anybody that can't tell you what they want. Mm -hmm. And that's vision. Like, like everybody's got vision. And then we say, okay, that's awesome. So what's next? What do you do? What's your first step? Okay. Well, you know, and this can be today, I was with a group of individuals who are Mm -hmm. just trying to grow in their own individual life. It could be a small business owner who's like, I don't really have a team, but I think I'd like to build one. You know, how do I do that? And then it's somebody who's like a full, fully formed team, but everybody's pulling in different directions. How do we get everybody lined up so they're being most effective in your whole organization? I love to think about that our world is really made up of a lot of brands 
these days and that our lives are affected by how those brands deliver on their brand promises. So when, when we can help people do that, I think we make the world a little bit better of a place. Maybe I'm making too much of it, but it's, it's what gets me up in the morning. Well, no, I think that's, it's a great way to look at it. Before we get into the, the coaching and your, your own businesses there, can you give me a little bit of insight? Cause I know I eat way too much Chick-fil-A. Can you tell me pre owning one and post owning one? What was your consumption? Like, did it go up but when you owned it or did it actually kind of go the other direction? Cause you had more control over it. Uh, God, that's a great question. I, I, the, the best way to answer that is to say in my entire life, uh, I had, I, I have to take you through a beginning, middle and end. the beginning was the very first time I had a Chick-fil-A sandwich. I was 12 years old. I was in Savannah, Georgia in the mall. It's the third location in the chain. I kept walking, got by and going, that smells delicious, but I don't have enough pocket change. Me and a buddy went in halfsies with the pocket change <laughs> that we had, cut it in half, put a little mayonnaise, salt and pepper on there. And I was like, oh man, this tastes, it's like a waffle cone, man. It like tastes even better than it smells. <laughs> and then, um, and, and then from that point forward, there was only one time in my life where I thought, okay, I just can't have another one of these, you know, because I, I don't know, I've been in like grand opening and like, yeah. you know, double shifts and hadn't eaten anything else for days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, but I tell you something that is, um, you know, scarcity makes something special, right? For and sure. so, so sometimes one thing that I would do to trick my brain is I would literally go around to the other side of the counter and order and pay for my food and go sit down like a customer. It actually tasted better, you know? Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. And then what, what made you decide to leave that life uh, to go, uh, you know, explore that whole peak? Um, co- <laughs> well, I, I was one, I'm a very early adopter being an mm. entrepreneurial mindset. So I was, I think the first franchisee to engage a coach for as far as I know. And then they led me to be one of the first to create a high performance team that built the business so I could have the life that I wanted. And then I became one of the first to have uh, and learn to work with an executive assistant and really learn to be an executive versus a general manager, mm-hmm. which is the life I wanted. I think a general manager lifestyle can be awesome if that's what you love, but I, I wanted a different kind of life. Yeah. And so, so I, I hired a coach. They taught me how to coach my people so they could run the business. And I fell in love with it. And I thought, I just love coaching. And I really wanted to do that. But it took, I'm going to cue this up for you nicely, mm-hmm. a massive failure for me <laughs> to, to make it happen because, um, you know, I was pretty secure in that situation. Yeah. And, um, and, and so, um, so there you go. Yeah. Well, so I'm, <laughs> I'm certainly intrigued. What, uh, what happened, what happened in that situation? I, well, I want to tell you two failure stories. The first failure story was that I don't think I, have ever met anybody that would have had a better resume to be, to live the life of their dreams as a Chick-fil-A franchisee. I had my dad, I knew Truett personally, I'd been in the company for decades. I had done everything from wash dishes to coach and consult people. And I had seen the good and the bad, and I knew how I wanted to run this thing. And it still absolutely handed my butt to me on a platter. Like Mm -hmm. I was just all my intentions just went out the door. And, and, and this is where I love to engage with people these days. It's like, is your business running you or are, are you, are you running your business or is your business running you? And so 
uh, so that's where I, that was the first failure was like, I really thought that I knew something and, and I got really handled some humility and had to go get some help, you know, and Were it worked. Specific challenges or, or obstacles that you failed at, at um, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, uh, people selection is huge. Mm-hmm. Like, um, uh, and I, you know, I, th- I think it was Gary V who mm-hmm. said last week, uh, I think it was, like you should give up on getting good at selecting people and get really good at firing people, you know, because we all think we have some sort of gift for like figuring out who the amazing talent is. Yeah. And the reality is you get duped or you, you know, you miscommunicate or whatever, but I think people selections were a big failure on my part. Um, some really, really good hearted people. And I was good hearted, but we weren't the right match. And I had to go through and, and what that meant was, you know, they, you know, it doesn't work out. They're gone and you're back to doing the schedule and everything else it was that they were doing that you didn't actually learn how to do because you delegate. That's probably the other thing is, you know, maybe not. Um, I think it's very common for entrepreneurs to go, Oh, thank God. I have some relief here. Take this, you know, and not really teach people what they need to know in order to do that well and to be successful. So, um, so those were, those were the big failures <laughs> in, in that round, I think. Um, and so did, you just got so fed up with, uh, with, you know, running against the wall of trying to run that franchise the way you wanted it to, to run, or at least make it probably as good as it was in your head. And so you decided to bail and, and go down the coaching route or what happened? How'd you make that? Pivot? No, no, no. What, what happened there was I, I actually went from failure to success in that arena. Um, I went from working 60 plus hours, being out of shape, blah, 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 to uh, being able to come and go as I pleased, having a full team running the restaurant and it running extremely well, all the markers going up, grow, you know, growing sales, growing profits, happy customers, happy team members. Um, and that the recipe for that was I knew it. I just didn't know how to do it was, you know, it I couldn't be every, I, I couldn't be everywhere all at once and try to do everything and solve every problem. And it literally took, you know, some just sort of like, okay, like I, I just can't do this. I'm about to drop everything um, moments. And where I, I came to realize that the people around me had far more capability and concern than I ever gave them credit for. And once I let go um, and, and, and let them grow and had the right people, um, then, you know, I think we, we get to be successful because we have a way of doing things that really works great. And then that success turns into such success that we can't actually control the outcomes because they grow bigger than us, but we can't let go of the recipe. And so we're running around trying to micromanage everything and make it all work and, and not recognizing the massive potential in the people around us. And when we make that switch to realize you know, my job is not to build the business. My job is to build my team and they will build the business. And once I realized that I turned everything around, I was working in the restaurant about 20 hours a week. I I helped found a nonprofit bicycling um, uh, organization that did all kinds of stuff to advocate for um, uh, access. We created a festival and just really improved the community. I got involved with the tourism development board. So I'm now I'm being creative again, right? I'm out and I'm, I'm creating and helping the community. And while I'm not worried about the business back at home. So that was, that was the first cycle of failure success. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, when I was thinking about getting on the show, I think I was going to say like, you know, which failure do you want to hear about? I got a bunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I have a, a similar problem with giving up some of my responsibility, you know, in my personal business, for example. And I realize sometimes how illogical it is because a lot of times the job that I'm protecting and doing myself, I'm doing probably a worse job than someone else would do, but it's just that kind of parent protective thing yep. around the idea or whatever. But the only way to get better is by giving up a lot of that and letting go of the idea that it's going to be perfect when it comes back, because a lot of times you're not, well, you're not going to create anything perfect yourself, but you're okay with that. But when someone else's, it's harder to accept. And so realizing that it's going to take a while before they produce something that's in the, in the same realm of what you want, but it's, it's, uh, it's going to get there, but you know, isn't it, isn't it interesting that, you know, you being the failure guy, I love the name of this show. Um, but that we recognize in ourselves that the best learning that we've had is failure. And yet we will protect those around us from that same failure. Why do we do this? Why don't don't we let them fall? It's really hard to readjust your mentality towards failure because, I mean, even even me, so I, my license plate says failure, for example, and so I'm reminded every time I go to my car and sometimes some days I'm like, I wish I didn't do that, but it's still there regardless. So do people yeah, honk and wave. Yeah, people tend to like it and they usually take a picture <laughs> of stuff. So it's working out. People don't know what I mean by it, but at least it's pretty popular. Um, but you it, should put that on your show card. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, I should. But even then, it's still hard to come to terms with just the word and just embracing it as a not only mm. a component of success, but a benefit of success, like a benefit mm. of trying towards success is that you get these failures, which give you knowledge of how to do it right and to look at that as a positive and not a negative and to just you know kind of like what you're saying get better at getting uh you know firing people instead of hiring people get better at failing instead of trying to succeed and then the more failure you have you'll eventually figure out something that will work and a lot of times you don't see all those um failures from people who have a successful product or something you just see the end results and don't realize how much they had to just mess with things and and you know just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks and so yes. it's interesting to see even myself who's trying to embrace it fully. It still can be difficult at times to, to not have that be a negative feeling about yourself, you know, not only about yourself, but then again, back around to, you know, I bet your business is similar to mine. Cause I've, you know, I've had a multimillion dollar business and this is um, definitely not similar to mine in that respect. Sure. <laughs> I, well, I say I've had them, but, but I am finding myself now having to learn all over again. How, you know, I teach people how to let go. I teach people how to build a team. I teach people how to trust. And now, you know, one of the best lessons I learned in this past year from Janine Blackwell, who is a course guru that I worked with for creating online courses, is you're going to create the course that you need. You know, I coach people. A lot of times my very best coaching is like, man, I'm about two steps ahead of you, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm making it up as I go because, you know, it's one thing to, it was one thing to turn over responsibility to an executive leadership team of a multimillion dollar business where I had plenty of cash. It's quite another thing to be a very small, still startup four-year-old business that's growing, but every dollar has to be like, this has to, this really needs to work, you know? And, um, and, and, and yet I need to give people room to fail. Uh, and, and, and to, yeah. you know, and so, and I, I'll tell you, they've been one of the cool things for me is to realize that 
okay, so I turn over tomorrow's social media post to Garrett and he totally handles it. And it comes out, there's a couple of different outcomes. One is I really don't like it. I don't think it represents me well, but did Garrett learn and grow? Cause we're going to process that. Um, the other possibility is I look at that and go, that's freaking amazing. Like I couldn't have come up with that, you know, and I'm yeah. going to miss out on that if I don't let that go. Yeah. And also a lot of times we try to protect something like that, but then if we didn't, if you didn't have Garrett do it, you probably wouldn't have done it yourself. And so, you know, yeah. the, the nothing that would have happened is certainly not better than something that might be a little bit off the mark, you know, or, or I do do it myself and it, and it draws me away from my real sweet spot, which is, yeah. you know, I know what I'm good at. It's a couple of things. I'm good at coaching and creating content, delivering it. You know, that's, and the more that I can be that, that's a true nugget, man. The more that I can be in that spot, the more you whatever your thing is, the yeah. more you can be in that spot. I mean, that's just where the magic starts happening. It, but it is, uh, yeah, it's a challenge, <laughs> especially yeah, when you're tough. small, especially exactly. when you're small and the, and the, and the resources are limited. Yeah. yeah. Cause a lot of times you don't have a choice for, you know, hiring someone or whatever it is, you have to kind of figure out how to make it work. But then hopefully if you do get some success and are able to hire people, you can figure out how to do that. Did you have any specific advice to give to people who are having issues letting go of responsibility or ownership of some of their uh, responsibilities? Um, absolutely. The, the first one is, um, you know, do, do you want, do you want to fix um, the problem right now, or do you want the problem to stay fixed? If you want to fix the problem right now, step in and undercut a project that somebody's working on and fix it. And, and they will in their mind go, okay, fine. You know, they may not say it, they might smile their head and go, okay, that's awesome. But you know, too much of that, they're going to let it go. And they're, they're going to give you their hands, but not their heart. Or you can bite your tongue and go, okay, what do we learn here? How can we improve this process? Um, and, and they will grow and then the problem will be fixed long-term, not yeah. just short-term. So you have to decide, you know, and I, I, I literally have a client that I've worked with for years and he just keeps on going back to fixing stuff. And I'm like, you know what you're doing, right? He's like, yeah, I know, you know, and he just, that's the thing. Like he gets, something you get, we, we get something out of our behaviors. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't mean to cut any of my clients down. He's a wonderful, warm person, but, um, you, you have to choose. That's the, that's the point. And then, you know, in that choice, then it becomes, okay, you know, what kind of magic can happen here when people come together that are different than me and, 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 and we share and mingle ideas and, you know, where can, and, and I think the other thing that I think is really, really important because of our background in art, Mm -hmm. is that uh, in music, a lot of um, artists and musicians who create masterpieces will report that that did not feel like it actually belonged to them or was necessarily created by them as much as they stewarded this thing. Yeah. Like the and muse, so, the muse kind of thing where they were inspired and, and they want to catch that uh, inspiration type of thing. They're a, they're a vehicle, a conduit. Mm -hmm. And, um, and when you, I think when you can take that kind of an attitude of like, Hey, and, and create for your team, like we're doing something really important here. Like it just in the short amount of time that you and I've spent together, I think what you're doing here is pretty important. 
to get people talking about failure. Well, you, you might even be able to attract some people to work with you, even possibly for a while at a really low rate to go, hey, man, we're just on a mission. This is bigger than me. Um, I, you know, I, I want to get these failure stories out. So in the midst of a difficult time in our world, people can find hope. You know, people are like, okay, yeah. I, you know, and then all of a sudden now it's just bigger than everybody. Yeah. And it's, it's tough because even you can be given a story that outlines exactly what you might experience in real life, but if you experience it, it's, you know, 10 times more likely to stick, you know, in terms of what that lesson has taught you. But I think still attempting to show people what that stuff is like can only help if they do have to encounter those kind of failures, or at least let them know that they're not alone in that, you know, lifestyle at the very least, even if they can't improve it, just to know that it's, going to get better and it's a part of life, you know? Yep. Yep. Uh, is there, is there anything specifically along your career path that you'd point to as one of the bigger lessons that you might've learned from a big mistake or a costly or expensive, you know, mistake that you made? Yeah. The next big failure came about eight years into owning my Chick-fil-A restaurant and being massively successful. And um, I was misdiagnosed with bipolar and I'm not really sure. One of the things that's difficult about telling this story, and I don't tell it a whole lot, but I feel that I should today, is that uh, unlike the last failure, when you asked me to dissect it, I can tell you where I went wrong. Mm-hmm. This one, I really don't know. I, it was a failure that I feels like it was outside of my control because I was misdiagnosed then over-medicated. This led to difficulty um, within my home Mm -hmm. And ultimately it led to the breakup of my family. And, um, and and this was, this was very, very difficult. And in the breakup of my family, then, then led to um, the loss of my business and almost being under a bridge. I was, I was literally like, I had two options, uh, the bridge or um, mom and dad's spare bedroom, which was humiliating it. 49 years old. And to be clear, you mean living under the bridge, not jumping off the bridge, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was actually considered at one point too. Um, yeah. I can imagine. I mean, yeah. It was, it was, it was terrifying beyond belief, Ben. Um, and, um, and I, I just thought, and I understood for the first time how people uh, choose that end um, mm-hmm. because it reminded me of like a burning building. People will jump out of a burning of a, of a out of a skyscraper and knowing they're going to die, but the heat is so intense that the yeah. choice of jumping feels more more logical, and that's the way it felt at one point. And there was just miraculous thing that happened. I had I had lost my business, lost my family, lost my career, lost everything, and I spent about six months pacing and praying and trying to figure out what to do. And then I got a job um, working at a grocery store, ringing groceries. And I'd gone from being the head of a multi-million dollar organization to making 10 bucks an hour and getting chewed out by uh, people that were the same age that I used to employ. It was a lot of humility in that. Yeah. Big blow to the ego for sure. Yeah. And I learned a lot uh, that I hope I don't forget, but um, this really crazy thing happened in, in the grocery store industry, like in the, in the restaurant industry, you can't give people breaks all at the same time. You have to rotate your staff um, so you can have coverage. So we never had breaks at the same time. 
And um, it was on a very particularly low day when I had a, a plan and I was planning to execute it, that it just so happened that me and um, uh, Kathleen had a break at the same time. And I went over to her and I said, hey, what, what are you up to? And she said, oh, I'm going to break. What about you? And I said, we never get breaks at the same time. She didn't know that I wasn't sure I was going to be around tomorrow. And um, she said, okay, well, uh, you know, what's up? And so we went outside and I, I told her what was going on. And uh, she said, okay, it's pretty important. We, we got in our car and um, found a quiet place and parked. And for 30 minutes, I cried and she prayed for me. And we went back inside work. And I said, how am I going to get through today? And she said, we're going to do it one hour at a time, one step at a time. We're going to get through this. And I had a lot of moments like that during that time. But that particular one, I went home and I started doing some research. I have two boys and I found out that any person who takes that route, that their children are statistically more likely to take the same route when things get difficult for them. And I decided in that moment that that could not be an option. And, it, and, and uh, <laughs> after this happened, um, I met someone who I loved very much. Um, and and the, the day that I decided to ask her to marry me, um, I found her dead. Oh, and wow. yeah, and I, I looked up at heaven and I said, God, what do you think I'm made of? You know, yeah. like I was, I couldn't, I didn't think, I thought I'd found the bottom, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and so, um, but, but, but what the reason I tell that part of the story is there were plenty of times after that, it was six years ago, five years ago that I've thought, wow, this just feels hopeless. And, I, but I'm just like, okay, that, you know, quitting life is mm -hmm. not an option. <laughs> yeah. And uh, for my sake, for my children's sake, for others' sake, it's, 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 I, I, I don't judge anybody yeah. who has this, this feelings, but um, I just had to come to a place of realizing this is not about me. And I've got to kind of man up here and go, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I'll get through it. Yeah. Now that sounds like a really tough, crazy situation. Are you, I'd imagine you're still not in contact with that coworker who helped you at the grocery store. Uh, yeah, we still, we still, uh, it's been a, a minute since we've talked. She's moved out to California, but we, we stayed friends and um, yeah. Well, uh, she sounds like a cool person, obviously someone who's really helpful and, and definitely was there for you when yeah. you needed her. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, but I did hear to bring a little bit of sunshine into this conversation that you did recently get engaged. Is that right? I did. I did. Well, congratulations. Uh, thank you. <laughs> September 4th. Oh, nice. And um, I've just uh, met the most wonderful woman and um, we are getting married. This is interesting. We're getting married next week. Oh, wow. And I woke up, I went to sleep last night thinking, well, it's about 12 days away, which still felt kind of off in the future. Mm -hmm. And then I told my team this morning when we met that it was 11 days away and that didn't still feel too long. And then I got off the call and I thought, wait a minute, that's the end of next week. That's in next, like I'm getting married next week. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Are you uh, excited? Yeah, I am. What I are am. you we doing for, are you doing like a zoom thing with people too? Cause I was just recently at a zoom wedding. That's the only reason I asked. Really? We are going to live stream for, for those who can't make it, but we have uh, a really big place with lots of things nice. in place so we can be live. That's person. awesome. Yeah. That's cool. And so now it's only seven days away or is it, is it still 11 days? Away? It's, it's 10, 11, 11 days. It's, it's December 11th. So next Friday. 
Nice. And are yeah. you um, are you doing anything in particular to prepare yourself besides maybe checking to make sure everything's all set? Uh, I imagine you're also just mentally prepping. Yeah. So we have um, we we we're doing the sandals version of oh. a wedding. <laughs> we found a place that's like we'll take care of everything. Just write us a check. I'm like awesome. That's and cool. um, we had to make a lot of decisions last week, but now we're done. And I, I really wanted that for um, Susanna that she could walk into this feeling good. Uh, for her, it's all about getting the hair and the dress right. And for me, it's all about getting my head right. You know, yeah. um, I'm, I'm coming out of retirement and taking on a teenager uh, as, oh, a, nice. as a, uh, I'm calling him, my, he, he's, he's, he's going to be my stepson, but I'm like, I don't like the word I'm going to call you my son. Yeah, and uh, he's working on what he's going to call me. My my boys call me Papa Bear. How so old is he? He'll be fifteen next month. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah we're we're thinking learner's license. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully he's not too angsty and he's uh no he's friendly no. and stuff. That's good. Yeah, yeah my um my girlfriend's got a ten year old, so I'm also doing the uh, walking that line between having no power and trying to be, you know, to be a good uh, role model and stuff like that. But it's tricky. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't realize uh, after my f- divorce that you couldn't just pop right in and be somebody's parent right away. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. it's tough. And uh, we've so I just um, actually tested positive for coronavirus about 10 oh. days ago. So we've been quarantined uh, for the past week and a half. And so it's been an extra big um, struggle or challenge, at least in order to stay um happy and not bored and, and sane. Are you feeling okay? You got, you got, uh, you symptomatic, you symptomatic. Um, so I, I just had a little bit of a head cold, but mm-hmm. did lose uh taste and smell along with my mm-hmm. girlfriend. So she cooked Thanksgiving last week. We couldn't really taste Ooh. any of it, which was I'm for sure harder for her because she cooked it all, but, uh, but mm-hmm. not ideal, but hers is coming back a little bit. And mine's also, um, getting back, but, uh, it's, it's certainly, it's a weird feeling not being able to, smell anything or taste anything it's really uh, strange yeah. especially like, at thanksgiving yeah but like even like spray my cologne on myself i can't smell anything it's just a strange mm-hmm. sensation you can't really taste much usually because of that but she she got a little more sick than me but not much we just had like a head cold and chest cold um but nothing too crazy well, so thank you okay yeah and uh and as far as we can tell we didn't give any to anybody so hopefully um, we should be all good once we're done with this quarantine, but I know a lot of people have gotten it a lot worse. Yeah. So I'm um, just really thankful about, about that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, moving on to something that at least you as a guest of the show now are um, the owner of, or you're entitled to one. And I'm going to give you a get out of fail free card, which, <laughs> <laughs> which you can use to uh, pursue any career or hobby or something that you might've avoided all of your life because you didn't think you'd be any good at it. Is there something you would pursue if there was no uh, possibility of failure? I have to say that I feel like one of the luckiest people on the planet It's going to sound like a line, <laughs> but I, I'm doing that. Like, um, if you gave me the card and said, you know, you can do anything you want, I would go this, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, well, so I mean, this meaning coaching, cause you've also mm-hmm. done in art and music, right? You said, what were you a teacher of too? You mentioned you were a teacher. Art, at some art. Okay. Yeah. Are those something you think, um, wouldn't be worthwhile pursuing in a professional level or whatever if uh you know because i know music i've played music as well I'm what do you play great. uh i play bass and guitar Mo- mostly mm-hmm. guitar but i played bass in the band so my only concert was playing bass but i didn't 
I'm self-taught, so I don't know a lot of the musical theory and stuff, and I can't really improvise very well. I have to be very um, kind of intentional with my writing of a song because I have no yep. idea what it's going to sound like until I <laughs> play it or yep. whatever. So it's it's a lot more of a writing process. But the, I mean, similar to stand-up comedy, the the amount of judgment that you're given when you're doing it, if you're performing stand-up or music, there's a lot of bearing your soul out there. Do you think? Uh, using that get out of fail free card for that might be interesting to see where you could go with a musical career or is that something that doesn't really appeal to you? Hmm. Yeah. If you took me back to my 20 something year old self, maybe even my 30 something year old self, I would have loved to have become a uh, professional sculptor my my art degree i were i originally started off with making plates and bowls and stuff with a with a potter's wheel and then i learned that i could use those basic structures to create and join and and form these large scale um altered sculptural pieces based around bottle forms and vase forms and such and um i fired them in um, reduction salt glaze, which is a very organic looking outcome. So what you're doing is you're really working hard to look like you didn't create it. Like it almost happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and I loved that. I would have really loved to pursue that as a career. I could see myself, you know, uh, growing my beard and, um, having, you know, a workshop outside the house and, creating sculpture and having people come by and visit and seeing it, you know, displayed in, in public places, that would have really uh, turned my crank. Um, Would it be the part about, um, would it be when you're done creating it and you yourself look at what you made and see how amazing it is, or is it more of the sharing of what you made with other people? I, you know, probably the best part is the process. It's, it's so earthy. And so, I mean, man, when I was doing that in college, and it's under my fingernails, up my nose and my hair, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm taking dry clay powder and mixing it in a large cement mixer and dragging it across wooden floors in, in Rubbermaid and 50 gallon Rubbermaid trash cans, and then taking a, uh, a big old rope, uh, to, um, lower myself on a, on a, uh-huh. um, on a platform, um, elevator down to the basement and dragging that to my studio and, and then taking that stuff and putting it in a 2300 degree kill and putting salt in there and watching the flames burst out and then opening the kill and hearing that the crinkles and the cracks and it's too hot. I can't, I was just so visceral, you know? Yeah. And, and the smells, I can still smell it's decades ago. I smell it today. And then to take your baby and put it in front of somebody and have them go, okay. Uh, you know, I had some New York art critics uh, give me honors and awards and things and and to recognize that, you know, all that that I loved so much was actually adding some value to somebody else's world and life. That was really very rewarding. Yeah. And you talked about earlier how sometimes, you know, with employees and stuff, you can't control the outcome. And with art, it's even harder because once you let it out into the world, you don't get to choose what happens with it from then on. Yeah. And particularly with, I had done painting and drawing where I couldn't seem to let, it's very analogous for me. I couldn't seem to let go of control. I was too tight with my pen. Not these days, boy, I can draw like really loose, but, um, 
but the clay wouldn't let me control it, especially once you put it in the kill, you didn't know what you're going to get out. Yeah. And, and it was just like delegating. Like sometimes something would come out and you go, okay, that's ruined, you know? Mm-hmm. And then other times you'd come out and go, oh, that's better than I could have ever imagined. And it wasn't me. I just yeah. let it, let it happen. Yeah. I, yeah. I took a pottery class in high school and I remember how, how tough it was. Even just getting something to move the right way on the wheel was just a pain in the ass. I could always, it would always topple over and stuff. I just wasn't very good at it. It but wants would, to do what it wants to do. <laughs> yeah. So I think I only made a couple of ashtrays or whatever, whatever just it came out to be. I, I pretended like I made something good, yeah. but it's, it, it is a fun, interesting process and in that, you know, the, the creating of it and, you know, the water and the wheel and all that stuff and everything moving and just feeling like you're, taking something that wasn't there or maybe it was just clay and what was in your head and you're making it into something that other people can see is a really cool process. I'm sure if I got better at it, I would have uh, felt the same way. That would be my, that would be my get out of fail free. If I could have probably done that as far as a musician, uh, I, I play drums and guitar and ukulele and I think that's it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was, I had my drum teacher was one time I was just like, ah, I'm not getting better faster. And he'd been playing for 30 years. He's like, trust me, Bing, you do not want to be a professional musician. I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> so it's a nice hobby. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes those things, the, the, the true hobbies that you're doing for yourself, it can be too much if you make it a profession. Yeah. You can, okay. You can take suck all the joy out of it. it. Yeah. 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 Um, you said if you were, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you might've wanted to go down the, the music path. If you could go back to that, that Bing, the 20 or 30 year old, uh, prior Bing, what would you give him for advice, uh, to maybe make his life a little easier or what would you tell yourself a younger self? Oh, oh, I would say, um, I wouldn't tell him how hard it was going to be cause I wouldn't want to dis- demoralize him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just say, um, be better to yourself because you're going to need it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would love to say one thing to your listeners as, um, you know, we are entering a period of time, we've already entered it, but we even more so where being an entrepreneur is it, that mindset like is so prolific right now. And if, you know, it's an entrepreneur or if you're working for a company, you know, you need to have an entrepreneur mindset, like you're not going to survive I don't think you're either going to have to be in a massive bureaucracy where you're set or you're going to need to have this entrepreneurial mindset of, of adding value. So, um, so when you, when you, when you say that, then what you're saying, and I hear people say this all the time is, I want to be my own boss. Right. So then the question is what kind of boss are you to you? Mm -hmm. You know, we all know how to criticize a boss who is unreasonable, who's critical, who's nitpicky, who is unforgiving, who is, wants you to put in extra hours, you know, all those qualities we tend to do to ourselves. And I would say to me, be a really kind, you're going to want to do your own thing being, so you're going to be your own boss, be a really kind boss to you. Yeah. It's, it can be easy to forget about the self-care piece mm-hmm. and how, how important that is to not only achieving some level of success, but also just to make it more bearable as you're going through any part of it. Yeah. yeah um, you do a good job. Do you reward yourself? Do you, yeah. do you get yourself a scoop of ice cream or do you take a walk 
or mm-hmm. do you, do you let, do you give yourself off early on Friday because you did a good job? <laughs> yeah. I, kn- I know I'm probably more lenient than not with myself and I'm trying to get good for you to be a better boss in the ter- in the sense of getting myself to do more, but it can be hard sometimes <laughs> to just, well, I, I gravitate from one extreme to the other. I'm usually either way too demanding mm-hmm. of myself or way too nonchalant and relaxed about it. And I got to find some happy medium probably. I, I don't think that we realize how much energy it takes to motivate ourselves. It's properly, you know? Yeah. And to even <laughs> figure out what motivates you already, like the things that you will and won't do and what is the impetus behind why you will or won't do some of those things. I know when I'm doing something for someone else, it can be a lot easier for me to do than if I'm doing it for myself. And yeah. sometimes I'm not sure why, whether it's, putting other people above me or if it's wanting to help other people more than I want to help myself. But whenever you can, to your point, um, remove yourself from the equation or, or say, okay, well, what if instead of me saying this, it was a boss or the other way around, if this boss was saying it, what if I was saying that to myself, if you look at it in those ways, it can try to give you a little bit more insight as to whether it's reasonable way to treat someone including yourself. Yes. Uh, Well, I, so I only have one more question for you. Um, Sure curious what is the next big fail what's the next big thing you hope to um go towards perhaps it's this marriage i'm not sure uh where you'll fail at and hopefully uh through those failures get better and and eventually succeed Hmm. i hope i'm massively successful at marriage i i am being very intentional about doing everything i can be to be and um but I do see a lot of potential for failure as a stepdad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's I, true for parenting across the board. I mean, no one really knows what they're, what they're doing. It's rife yeah. for failure. Yes. Yes. And I, I feel a lot of responsibility, so I want to do it well. Yeah. And I, I think, I hope well, that I, that I, I know I'm going to fail a lot. I hope I fail well. Yeah. Well, I think either way, uh, the most important thing with something like that is definitely uh, what are your intentions? And if they're good, then, you know, messing up is just part of, you know, being any kind of a parental role and figuring out how to do it better the next time. But it's certainly better than someone who's not trying to Mm. parent in any way, you know, and just trying to take the easy way out. A lot of times uh, parents will just back off and let the kids do whatever. And the kids will think that that's a really good parent because they can do whatever they want, but really it's a, awful parent in terms of raising someone who's going to be able to, you know, live a good uh, life and be a good functioning adult, you know? Mm. Sounds like you understand that deeply. Yeah. So who, well, who knows? I'm, I'm trying to, that's for sure. I know I, I, I heard myself saying even today, just because he's doing remote learning now from home. And I was quoting my stepdad who used to tell me when I was growing up, he said, you can either play now and pay later. So you can either mess around in school, but then pay the rest of your life by working very hard. He was doing uh, hot tar roofing and, and plowing. So he was definitely living a not easy life, a lot of calluses and stuff. And he said, or, and, and that's what he did. He played and then paid later, or he said, you can pay now and really try hard in school and then play later. So I definitely took that to heart. And I think nowadays, sometimes I find myself playing too much because I feel like I earned it. I'm like, oh, I put all that time in and I might as well you know, enjoy some of it, but I think it's a good way to look at it because a lot of people only think about the immediate, um, you know, kind of gratification thing and they don't think long-term and it's certainly a, a lifelong struggle to, to think intentionally towards what kind of future you want to live. Yes. 
So Bing, what, where, uh, where can people find you if they want to see what you're doing these days? I know you've got the uh, peak uh, coaching and consulting. I know it's a P A E, sorry, P E A K E. Yes. And just curious where did that name come from. I know you say uh, to, to what's your next peak and all that, but where'd the uh, inspiration come from? Um, well, it's uh, a couple of things. Um, being an, a, an artist and understanding a little, I don't claim to be a graphic artist, but I can at least have a decent eye for a good, for a good graphic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt that the balance of five letters was helpful with the A in the center. Um, also, it's a little distinctive, you know, it, mm-hmm. it does, it does cause you to go, what's that about? You know, it's yeah. not, it's not unexpected. And, uh, and then also just the sheer practicality of, you know, if I want to buy a domain name. Yeah. Or even the SEO of it, because it'll be much easier to find you with, with the E at the end. Yeah. It's just distinctive. Yeah. Yeah. And so to answer the question of where to find me, um, we're really, we're really excited about what's going on coming into the new year. And, um, you know, I've done a lot of coaching and I've created a lot of content and this next phase for me is community. And, um, I'm just, I think this is just where life is taking me next over the next season mm-hmm. is um, really having these kinds of conversations, um, you know, they're just comfortable and good yeah. and leading to, okay, so what's your next adventure? And so um, if you visit our website at peakcoaching.com, you'll see that we have uh, three levels of experience. The first one is called the Peak Lodge. And this is our tagline is coming out of the cold. It's a free community, but it's, but it's curated and it's quiet. It's out. It's not, it's on a, it's on a private platform. So it's not, it doesn't have all the noise of, of being on social media. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this would be analogous to coming in out of the cold and sitting in it by a, by a, a, a hearth with a nice cup of coffee and having a conversation and going, Hey, tell me about your last adventure and what's your next adventure, mostly business, mm-hmm. but also life. And then we have base camp, which is for individuals, much like yourself who are just, you know, asking questions about how do I grow as an individual leader? And then we have Ridgeline for small businesses where we help you go, you know, I, I think I'd really like to build a really good team, much where I was a few years ago. And then we have, um, Pinnacle, and this is the exclusive one-on-one. Uh, the, the other two are group. Uh, the mm-hmm. one-on-one is where I, I work with executive leaders and their teams. And usually what we find there is that everybody's extremely talented and motivated and all pulling in different directions. And a, su- a few simple corrections uh, will bring about tremendous results in terms of your customer's experiences, your results, and your um and, and your outcomes in your personal life. And that's where, you know, I, I wanted to, to, to key off of something that you said is, you know, we tend to think of a, a great business or a great personal life. And I truly believe it can be both. It is a lot of work to make. It's hard work to make it more easy work. But I do believe there is a path to an extremely fulfilling life and business, both. And, um, and so we, we just, those offerings take you up kind of a stair step from I'm thinking about being a leader to I'm a leader of an, an entire organization and wherever you fall in there, you're just going to kind of know, but the entry is, is the community. Um, and then, um, you know, I love to have brief conversations like this with someone and say, Hey, what's your peak? So you can reach out to me at bing.oliver at peakcoaching.com. 
uh, and we'll set you up for 15, 20 minutes. And we just sit and talk and go, Hey, you know, what's going on in your life and where do you fit in this community? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, is this a good fit for you? And, um, very natural. That's really cool. It sounded like you had, I'm not sure if it was four or five different levels there, but I was curious, I'm sure you love all of them, but is there a specific level that you really enjoy interacting with, whether it's the, the newbies or the, or the executives? <laughs> uh, that's kind of like asking who your favorite child is. Uh, yes. <laughs> Um, oh gosh, they're all fun in different ways. Um, but I would, I, I have, I was with my base camp group today, which is the emerging young transitional leaders. Mm-hmm. And I like that because, uh, boy, we get pretty silly. Like <laughs> we've done everything from, well, I'll show you. Well, Oh, I took it away. I had my tambor, I had my tambourine and we were making noises to celebrate people's wins. Nice. We play, we play games. We do skits. We're really working hard to break the four walls of, of the, uh, of the zoom frame. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and so that's a lot of fun. Um, and, um, yeah, so that's I, awesome. you know, I probably yeah. shouldn't pick a favorite kid, but that this guys are <laughs> yeah. a lot of, I'm sure. I've, I have just found for whatever reason that a lot of people in that place in life are they boy they just want to talk and they've got the notebook out and they are just hungry and they want to learn yeah and i'm um, sure they have interesting problems as well at that level yes a lot more um (laughs) maybe green pastures and things that just could be explored that maybe you can't if you're further along or or maybe earlier but that sounds really cool i'll make sure to add that stuff uh, into the show notes i appreciate you for coming on and being vulnerable and sharing some of the those you know low lights so to speak but i think it's really important and i i appreciate you coming on the show well hey let me ask you real quick before we go what's your next peak my next peak so i'm now so i have my own personal business which is teaching microsoft excel Okay. And so now I just sent out an email to my mailing list today, uh, scheduling my first live training because I usually do recorded videos. So that's my new big thing is trying to figure out how to do the live training and make it not boring, especially with something like Excel, which people fall asleep instantaneously when it, <laughs> when it comes up. So trying to figure out how to make it uh, engaging and also just all the platforms and stuff. It's going to be interesting to see how that all works. Well, I would love to see how you weave together failure and teaching Microsoft um, that, that would be really cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. In, uh, in, in one of my lessons, so my, my story, I've been fired from every job I've had in the corporate world, except for the one I'm working in now, but nice. It's been about five different jobs. So I have a, an acronym about what is Excel, which is fired, which goes through all of my, you know, F-I-R-E-D financial reporting, stuff like that, about the different uses for it. So I try to weave in some of the failure stuff when I can, at least to make it a little more interesting. That's but, uh, awesome. <laughs> but yeah. Well, I love to see people come alive when they talk about their peaks. I'm excited about yours. Thank you so much for having me on your yeah. show. Thank you for being here. And I'll make sure to send you um, a little email or, or a message once it's uh, posted. Great. We've got some follow-up to send to you too. Cool. Thank you very much, Bing. I appreciate it. And uh, have a lovely rest of your uh, week. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.